Well, hi guys. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, I pray that God has something special to say to you today. Uh, I'm going to do a little activity in a minute. It's going to require a, a pencil or pen and paper. So you might want to pause the video and, and gather those things and then come back if you want to participate in that. So we're talking about the, the topic of love today, and, and this is a, a topic that I, I talk quite a bit about, if you've heard me speak very often, because it's so important. It's a topic that definitely needs to be one of the core 52 uh, topics, because you, you don't have Christianity, really, without God's love. But it's also easy to begin to take God's love for granted, and to kind of feel like, yeah, you know, I, I've kind of heard that before. And so I just ask you to try to stay focused and on what God has to say to you today and God's love. Our memory verse this week is the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16. And, and remember our series right now is called Soar Like an Eagle, based on verses from the book of John. And, and you will never be able to soar like an eagle unless you understand John 3.16. Okay, it's that important. It's actually one of the few verses I still know in the King James Version. That's how I learned it as a kid. How many of you learned John 3.16 in the King James Version? So say it with me if you did. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The memory verse in, in your core 52 books is the ESV Version, English Standard Version. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Okay, same words, just a little bit different English. But no matter what version you use, it's, it's about God's love. It, it's an incredible verse, and we're going to break that down in a few minutes. But as we think about God's love, to be honest, we have a little bit of an uphill battle to understand what his love really means in the English language. Uh, we have one word for, for all kinds of love, and we just kind of lump them all together. And, you know, in Greek, they have four different words for love just in dealing with different kinds of relationships. We use one word for every kind of love, including for everyday things like food. Okay, for example, we say, oh, I love food. I love this kind of food. So this is where I want you to use your pen and paper. I want you to write down something weird that you love to eat. Okay, let's have some fun with this. What is something that others would consider maybe kind of weird, but you love to eat it? My grandpa was a farmer, and he used to eat all kinds of weird parts from the cow. Uh, he'd eat cow brain and cow tongue and, of course, Rocky Mountain oysters, which if you don't know what that is, you can ask somebody about that. I'm not going to talk about it. But what's something weird you like to eat? You know, I'm, I'm not really a... a a huge weird food eater to be honest I'm kind of a meat and potatoes kind of guy but one thing I really love is dried apricots uh, I can eat a ton of those and so some people would say well, that's kind of weird when when I was a kid I used to buy them at the state fair every year there is one stand that sold them and I, and I couldn't wait to buy the dried apricots you know most people are getting fried everything and I got dried apricots so um, maybe that's kind of a weird thing. So what's your weird food? I'll write mine up here uh, to start with, and hopefully you can see this. If not, that's okay. So dried apricots. Some of you say apricots, which is kind of weird, I think. But Okay, so that's the first thing, weird food. Um, those who play video games. Okay, we talk about how much they love video games. And uh, so I ask, what's your, your favorite 
all-time video game. So write it down on your paper. I had a, a game on my Atari 2600 system when I was a kid called Mega Mania. And I used to play that game for hours at a time. And yes, it does show my age, but that's okay. So number two, I'm going to put my favorite video game, Mega Mania. And then we, we talk about favorite TV shows and, and favorite movies that we, we love. And so I want you to write down number three, your favorite TV show, and number four, your favorite movie. I think my, my favorite TV show of all time is the, the comedy King of Queens uh, with Kevin James. I thought that was hilarious. I'd laugh all the time at that. Still love to watch reruns of that. But so um, King of Queens is mine. And then, what's your favorite movie of all time? And uh, there's a movie that probably not too many people think is their favorite movie, but I loved it. It's called The Fugitive. And it was clear back, I think, 1993 when it came out with Harrison Ford and Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is one of my favorite actors. And so I love that movie, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put The Fugitive. Okay. So hopefully you have those now. Maybe you're still kind of thinking about them. You can fill them in. Okay, now I want you to do this. On your paper, I want you to write, I love God. Okay? I love God. Okay, so I talked about I love dried apricots. I love Mega Mania. I love King of Queens. I love the Fugitive. I love God. So does it seem like it should be the same word to describe all those things as the way it is that we describe our love for God. Okay, it seems kind of ridiculous when you look at it that way, doesn't it? And I just think it kind of dilutes uh, what it means for us to love God, what God, for his love for us. The Greek language does a little better job. Um, there's, a, like I said, at least four different words for, for uh, relational types of love. I'm just going to go through those qu quickly. Philia was the, the most common used word for love. It was a kind of a friendship type of love. It was the closest thing probably to our everyday um, things that we say we love. Uh, you would philia, your best friend, love your best friend, your, your BFF, your best friend forever, uh, which now you can have multiple best friends, which seems really weird to me. It seems like best means one, but, but my daughter calls multiple people her BFF, but that's a different thing. So th this word for love is where the city of Philadelphia got its name. It's, it's nicknamed the city of brotherly love, which they had 356 murders in 2019. So I think they need to be reminded about the brotherly love thing. So that's the first love. Second love uh, is uh, storge love, S-T-O-R-G-E with a little line over the top. So storge love, that's how it's pronounced. It's a family love, for example, a love between parents and children. Uh, there really is no other love like it, and, and so it would make sense that you have a specific word for family type of love. Then there's eros. It's a, another kind of love that includes all kind of sexual desire and lust. And so this is a, a God-given type of love when, when used properly, but it can be a really negative kind of love when not used, how God created it or intended it to be used. And then there's something called agape love. Okay, it was a word that existed before the New Testament, but the New Testament writers kind of took this word and just really gave it a rich new meaning. Uh, this happened with other words as well, uh, such as baptism, 
But agape love is an unconditional and unmerited love. It's a love given to someone even if they don't deserve it. And John first used agape love in this way to describe God's sacrificial love through Jesus. His love is, is so amazing that there, there weren't proper words to describe it. And so they're doing their best to, to help describe it. So God's love is agape love. That, that's the word for love used in John 3.16. For God so loved agapeo, uh, the world. That, that's another form of agape. Now to be honest, as we look at this, any attempts that we give or, or make to describe God's love fall short. Um, we need to realize that, but I, I think we can learn a great deal about God's love from John and the other New Testament writers, and, and that in turn can go a long way in helping us kind of understand God and how much he loves us. So let's jump in and talk about God's love, understanding God's love. First of all, God's love is more action than feeling. Now, don't get me wrong, we're, we're made in God's image, and, and God made us to have feelings, but God's love starts with action. In 1 John 3, 16 and 17, it says, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? What's the action? Well, it's the ultimate action. Jesus died for us. He, he didn't just say he loved us. He showed it to us when he could have given up on us. And that would be the ultimate way for us to show love to others, it says. And at the very least, we're trying to meet the needs of others. Love is an action. I think we often tend to confuse feelings with love. Okay, the, the statistics show us that about half of all the marriages in this country end in divorce. And, and one of the issues is that people begin to feel like they don't love the person anymore. And they fall out of love with someone, kind of like you fall out of a tree almost. But I think so many people fail to realize that true love isn't just about feelings, it's about actions. True love gets to work when things get hard. True love is shown through action. Many years ago, a little four-year-old African girl had been sold as a slave, and, and, and she had never known what love was. Even her name, Coyote, meant nobody loves me. When she grew to be about 10 years old, her, her body became covered with ugly sores, and, and the natives turned her out and would have nothing to do with her. But some missionaries took Coyote in and cleaned her up, cared for her sores, and put clothes on her. They just simply loved on her. At first, she could not believe anyone loved her. She went about saying, I'm only Coyote. Nobody loves me. The missionaries told her that Jesus loved her and tried to teach her what love meant. Then she looked down at her dress, clean body, and bandaged sores, and said, Is this love? They told her that, yes, that was love. You see, love is shown through action. And then we need to understand that God is love. Okay, the, the essence of God is love. One, one of the reasons it's hard to describe God's love is that God is love. God equals love. Okay, you can't separate God and love. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. 1 John 4, 8 is whatever does, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So if we fail to love others, we're showing that, that we, we don't really know God very well. If you say you're a concert pianist, but you can only play chopsticks on the piano, you really aren't a concert pianist, are you? Or if I advertise online that I was an electrician, okay, that doesn't just make me an electrician automatically. I, I'd probably end up electrocuting myself or somebody else. 
If you say you love God, but you don't show love to others, you really don't know God or love God. Because God uses people to show his love to others. Okay, this is where we come in, and we have a big responsibility. God loves our neighbors through us. God loves our family through us. God even loves our enemies through us. We are conduits for God's love. We want God's love to go through us and into others. And that could mean paying a big price. Maria Dyer was born in 1837 on the mission field in China, where her parents were pioneer missionaries. Both her parents died when Maria was a little girl, and she was sent back to England to be raised by an uncle. The loss of her parents, however, did not deter her young heart from the importance of sharing the gospel. At age 16, she, along with her sister, returned to China to work in a girls' school as a missionary herself. Five years later, she married Hudson Taylor, a man well-known today for his life of ministry, faith, and, and sacrifice. Hudson and Maria's work was often criticized, even by other Christians. At one point, Maria wrote, As to the harsh judgings of the world, or the more painful misunderstandings of Christian brethren, I generally feel that the best plan is to go on with our work and leave God to vindicate our cause. Of their nine children, only four survived to adulthood. Maria herself died of cholera when she was just 43, but she believed, she, she, but she believed the cause was worthy of the sacrifice. On her grave marker were these words, For her to live was Christ, and to die was gain. Hudson and Maria Taylor had a huge kingdom impact on the country of China. And God used them to show the love of Christ, but it came at a, a great price. And then we have to keep in mind that God's love is bigger than we can ever imagine. Okay, I, I like how Ephesians 3, 18 and 19 describes it in the New Living Translation. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. See, Paul is wanting so much for the church in Ephesus to just experience how amazing God's love is. And he realizes it's impossible to fully understand, but he wanted them to know that there are no limits to God's love, and it's wider and higher and, and longer and, and deeper than, than we can ever imagine. And here's the cool thing. The more we experience God's love, the deeper we can grow in our ability to love others. And the more we love, the more complete we become in Christ. It's a beautiful thing. So there's a glimpse at the greatness of God's love, but let's go back to John 3.16 for a few minutes. What, what is it about this verse that stands out? You know, what, what's the big deal about John 3.16? Well, I think it's so amazing because it really contains the whole gospel in, in one verse. It's, it's the gospel in a nutshell. Once again, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So it's the gospel according to John 3.16. So let's break that down a little bit. First of all, what God did for us. Okay, it says, for God so loved the world. Okay, so God loved us. Okay, we can't skip over this. The, the God of the universe loves us. Have you ever made something and you got done with, uh, with a project and you're like, man, I, I'm going to throw that away. I, I don't even like it. The project turned out terrible. God created us out of love. And he, he loved what he created. Okay, it was all good. 
God doesn't make any junk. And then it says that he gave. So what did he give us? He, he gave us everything. Okay, love is, is made evident through giving, through sacrifice. Jesus gave, not expecting anything in return. God is a giver, not a taker. And, and giving shows itself in a lot of different ways. And as a minister, I have a chance to work with all kinds of people, and, and there are givers and takers, to be honest. And the danger I have seen with those who are always on the receiving end is that they kind of get used to being takers, and it doesn't always transition into being givers. And you can be a taker in a lot of different ways. You can be a taker in relationships. Okay, you expect the other person to kind of do all the work. But the most successful marriages are those where, where both people are, are 100% givers. Because God is a 100% giver. He's not a taker. One of the best examples of someone having the heart of a giver in the Bible is the widow uh, who gave two small coins to God because that, that's all she had. Luke 21, 1 through 4, we see that story and it says, And Jesus looked up, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, that this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Okay, she was a giver. She understood what it meant to give sacrificially. God is a giver. He gave us everything. In fact, he paid a huge price, and his price was his only son. Okay, the, the widow gave sacrificially, and, and Jesus recognized that gift. It was a beautiful thing. But as big of a sacrifice th that it was for her to make, it was a different kind of sacrifice than God made. Okay, because God's gift included sacrificing himself. Last week we talked about the incarnation where, where God humbled himself to come to this earth in order to die for our sins. So God's price was enormous. And so that's kind of the first part of John 3.16, this part about what God did for us. And then the rest of the verse is about our response to what God did and what can happen as a result of our response. And so the question is, how will we respond? Okay, it says that whoever believes in him. So we need to ask, will we believe? Okay, we can hear the stories about Jesus. We can read the Bible. We can see what his, God has done in the lives of others. We can hear their stories. But do we believe for ourselves? That's the key question. I always tell young people you know, that they need to believe for themselves. That they need to have their own faith. They can't just have their parents' faith. They need to make their own decision for Christ. Going back to John 1 and verse 12, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's an incredible thing, to be called a child of God. And then we need to ask, will we die? Okay, part of this question is, you know, it says that whoever believes in him should not perish. And so if you believe in him, the answer is no, you won't die. That, that's the good news. What does that mean? Well, obviously it doesn't mean you won't physically die. Right? Everyone who has lived in the last 2,000 years has eventually died. We're all going to die if Jesus doesn't come back first. I have a niece in Iowa whose boyfriend was killed in a motorcycle accident last weekend. It, it was a terrible tragedy. And just it shows just how fragile our lives are. And, and I hurt for my niece, and his name is Zach. And, and to be honest, I, I'm not sure where he was in his faith. Now, some would say that that's it. When we're dead, we're dead. We go into the ground. 
But here's the hard part. John talks about what it means to perish. In verse, chapter 3, verse 36, it says, whoever, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. You know, God loves us so much, but He is a just God. And sin has brought about the wrath of God. He, he has given us the key to eternal life, but he doesn't make us take it. We can choose to take it, but if we reject him, it's not a pretty picture. So no, we don't have to die. But that begs the question, then, will we live forever? And it's because it says, you know, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Okay, this is reinforcing the, the previous statement. He, that they just made eternal life friends that that's forever john eleven twenty five and 26 it says jesus said to her i am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this it says you'll never die how awesome is that there is no downside there is no catch and so I guess the question becomes, what are you going to do in response to God's love for you? And let me just say that there is a big danger for those who have been Christians for a long time. Uh, you know, we've heard about God's love for so long that we begin to lose its meaning. It's kind of like, uh, okay, yeah, God loves me. Pass the chips and dip. And, you know, or did you hear about that movie that's coming up? Man, God's love should just rock us to our core. Come on, guys. When was the last time you were truly moved by God's love? When was the last time you were wrecked by God's love? I want to give you a couple quick action steps to help us appreciate God's love again, or maybe for the very first time. First of all, we remove obstacles that hinder God's love from flowing through you. Okay, maybe it's a sin that's holding you back, it's just that barrier. We need to remove that. Maybe it's people. Sometimes we have to remove people that are just dragging us down, people who are toxic to us. Maybe it's stuff. You're too worried about worldly things. Maybe it's, it's apathy or, or laziness. I don't know what it is, but we need to remove those obstacles that are hindering you from God's love. And then ask how God's love is being channeled through you. Okay, can people see God's love through you? Is there something different about you? Are you letting him use you to love others? You know, I've known some really mean Christians. And to be honest, it kind of drives me crazy. Because how in the world could you be mean and call yourself a Christian when you know that God is love and we're supposed to follow God's love? John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Is God's love being channeled through you? So let's get out there and, and show God's love to the world. And then maybe some of you need to begin your journey with Christ. You know, if you've never completely said yes to Jesus, it, it is time. That's what John 3.16 is about. Jesus came here because he loves you and he has offered eternal life to you. That's what his love is about. Are you ready to accept God's love? And I guarantee this would be the best day of your life if that's the case. Paul does his best to describe love 
in his first letter to the Corinthians in chapter 13. It's often called the love chapter of the Bible, and, and this is a passage that's often read at weddings, but it's not originally, it wasn't read, uh, written for people who were getting married, but really for all of us to understand what agape love is and isn't. And, and the church in Corinth had a lot of issues at that time, and Paul's reminding them about love and, and, and what a difference love could make in their church. And so let me read part of this chapter, and I'd ask you to just kind of soak in what love is and isn't all about. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. Does not envy. Does not boast. It is not proud. Does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. I think Paul does a pretty amazing job of giving the description of what love does and doesn't look like here. And as we close this morning, I want to lead us in a, in a time of prayer. And I want all of us to examine our hearts and, and where we are at in regard to God's love. So let's go to God right now. And close your eyes if you want to, but first of all, do you need to ask God to forgive you if your appreciation of His love has, has gone stagnant? Do that now if you need to. And maybe there's an area that you're, you're struggling to show God's love in. And let's kind of go back through that list. Pray about it. Are you patient? Are you kind? Are you envious? Do you boast? Are you proud? Do you dishonor others? Are you self-seeking? Are you easily angered? Do you keep a record of wrongs? Do you delight in evil? Do you rejoice with the truth? Do you protect and trust and, and hope and persevere? Do you believe that God's love never fails? So examine yourself right now and just kind of give these things over to God. Just you and God, right where you're at. Lord, we come before you this morning and we think about your love and the depths of your love and how high it is and how wide it is and how deep it is. and It's just an amazing thing. And, and Lord, I pray that if we need to kind of be wrecked by your love all over again or whether it be for the very first time, I pray that can happen. And that through that, that we can share that love, to be conduits of that love to those around us. We thank you for Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
you may want to, to continue thinking and, and praying about these things. And maybe I, you want to write out a prayer to God. Just spend some more time with God. But this is important stuff. God is good, isn't he? He loves you so much. And I want you to know he hasn't given up on you. And I pray that you'll experience his love this week. And that you'll be a funnel to God's love to others. God bless.